Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet, often entertaining, rarely conservative, frequently informative, occasionally occasionally interesting. interesting. We have Jack Mason. Uh, Jack is a future political party leader, one of the most extroverted extroverts we've ever met. He, uh, we've been traveling the world with him across Vietnam, Japan, Thailand, and he's a delight to travel with, and it's wonderful to experience the world alongside him and through his eyes. And uh, very excited to bring him to you guys here today on the podcast. Um, Jack. Anything to add to your introduction? Any any other key ways that you would like to describe yourself? Um, first of all, I don't think everyone would agree with those words. <laughs> Some people find it very taxing and stressful to travel with me. Um, but no, that, that's a good, that's a nice introduction. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Well, I know we're going to get into things like politics and Brexit and these type of things, but I'm going to put that off till a little bit later in the conversation. And I want to start by asking you our standard questions that we ask every guest. So what is the most unrealistic thing you believe in? Uh, unrealistic? Yes. Uh, it depends how you define unrealistic. How do you define unrealistic? I don't understand what unrealistic is, but probably I would guess... What most people would find a bit, well, some people would find unrealistic is numbers. I don't know. I quite like numbers. And, and by numbers, you mean like numerology. I don't want to sound like some nut that loves numerology, but... But you are. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But I do... I, since I started to look into it a little more and just have faith in things like this, um, it just seems to have made my life a lot better and things seem to be going the right way and yeah the, the the faith has has led to a better life so maybe yeah so i'll go for numbers is the most unrealistic thing that i believe in is how we decode the universe i believe in the universe but okay i believe in the universe and maybe a god but i don't know what that god is maybe it's just humans it's a good god have you seen the movie 24 with jim carrey 23 23 23 24 <laughs> is a good number 23 is a bad number Yes, actually, that's. I might have told you this already. That's how I found out. That's how. That's not what started me off. But I was. I kind of. Um, I kind of like had this. I watched the film when I was younger and didn't. Well, didn't look read into it too much. Just thought it was some nut that loved numbers or hated numbers in his case. But um, something guided me to watch it again recently, and through watching it, I discovered more about. I discovered my own number through that, which like led me to. And then the number, so this number that I found, I don't know how I came to the conclusion that 315 is the number that represents me, but since I have come to it, and, and I, at the time I just accepted it as, as my number and didn't really ask questions as to how or why, but since then I've discovered, I've been like other people have helped me to understand it. And then I found out the Bible um, verse that goes come from John, which is my name, Jack is John. Um, John 315 is... He who has he he who has faith has eternal life. I'm thinking since I found faith, it feels like I have eternal life. So that makes sense. 
and then in Japanese, so the way the Japanese language works is the it's like Hebrew, like numbers mean something in communicative terms. So three one five in Japanese translates to psycho, which is not psycho, but it actually means amazing. So I'll take that one as well. That's uh, quite cool. <laughs> do do you gamble at all? Uh, I didn't used to, but I play poker now and. Like roulette. Hmm, I've not. I've not. I don't know if it's a. I don't know if that's a good use of. That would be could lead to some economic crises. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe maybe I could look into it. Certainly be interesting if you're ever at a casino. Throw twenty down on three, one, and five. Yeah, if I've not drank anything. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like when I play poker sober, I'm very good. But if I've had a few to drink, I get arrogant and I lose all my money. Agree completely. I think gambling and, and alcohol are a terrible combination. Yeah, there's a reason they're sins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing what would it be have faith in yourself what does that mean to you um i was speaking to one of your friends the other day Stu, and he was and he, and, and he was backing up exactly what i believe if you're forcing yourself to do something that doesn't feel natural don't do it um instead of believing you have to do certain things that maybe for example you have to prove yourself by doing this but it doesn't feel natural to you then don't do it just have faith in yourself and do what you want to do do what feels natural to you and as long as you're not hurting anybody and it's for the right reasons then that's what i'm trying to get at you yeah. have faith in yourself have faith in what you want to do and don't have and and, and so let faith take over fear um faith and fear are the opposites and like when you let fear rule your life you don't do the things that you, maybe you go against your gut feelings a lot because you're scared of what may happen or because for example you're in a stable job in the, so let's let's take a case in point like a, a a fella or a woman who's in a stable job in the uk uh, he's got like a mortgage or whatever and he's like tied down but he's stable and secure but also knows deep down that it's not what they want but because they're scared to leave the stability behind and they don't have enough faith in themselves to go and do their own thing you know what they're really destined to do and 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 you can't just half-heartedly leave that kind of stability and kind of go at it with some faith but keeping a lot of fear. You've just got to try and get rid of the fear. Follow what you're doing. And at times, there will be times where, where you will double, where you will think back and think, oh God, I've spent a lot of money. Or I'm not where I want to be yet. But I say don't worry about that. Just if you if you have that faith and you drop all the fear, then it seems like things will work out. And also you'll be put in situations to test that faith. Where you'll have, where you wake up one day and there'll be no money in the account, and you'll be like, "Oh God, you know you've got money somewhere, but you can't access it." But it will pan out. Just have faith and keep calm. Is there a difference between have faith in yourself and trust your intuition? As trusting your intuition is having faith in yourself, I suppose. So same, same. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. <gasps> I feel like under. I feel like I don't have time to consider now. I'm on. I'm doing this. But, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> but subject to edit. Subject to add it. You can have faith that your intuition will guide you down a prosperous path. Yes, that, that's, that's, that's right. I believe in that, yeah. What's the most annoying thing about people? Um, closed-mindedness and prejudices and the lack of ac- like not accepting other people's thing or forcing upon someone else what they believe is right, you know? Like, I would never force upon anyone my beliefs unless they were open to, I would tell them what I think and let them hear it, but I would never try and force it upon them. And when people, and, and people tried to do that to me, and especially since, since a few months ago when I started on this 
new journey and having more faith in myself instead of relying on a company to employ me or you know what relying on these these external things since I started having faith in myself a lot of people from the past uh, a lot of pe- a lot of existing friends have been like in a way and I know they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart like I know they're, wor- they're, they're worried and concerned but don't project that fear onto someone else you know I understand where it's coming from and like I would I don't begrudge because I know it's from a kind place but also it can become quite toxic when you're only hit when you're hearing when you, you've got rid of this fear but other people are projecting that onto you you know like they're worried for you i don't want people to be worried about me just like because that that worry makes me worried about them like because i don't want to put any negative thoughts into people's minds i don't want to be attacked on people's minds when i know there's absolutely no reason for that to be you know so they've they've concocted this out of their own fear and projecting it onto me which i don't like it reminds me of a conversation I had with a Jehovah's Witness who was a very sweet lady, but she believed that it was her duty to save people from internal damnation and spoke very openly about being homophobic was the one, the conversation that we sort of latched onto. There was other ones that I, I would have been happy to hear her opinion about, but that was really tough because she's coming at it from a place where there's no greater cause in this world than to save somebody from the fiery pits of hell for eternity. Like there's absolutely nothing else you can do. That's, that's better than that. And she believed that part of that was not being gay or trying to help people not be gay anymore. And it was really, it was a fascinating conversation because if you accept her mindset that that's truly what she believes, then, you know, you can kind of, understand the more annoying aspects of talking like to somebody like that yeah it's coming from the she's coming from the kindness of her heart because she truly believes that it's just that in that case i believe that her beliefs are bullshit (laughs) yeah and not only bullshit but also harming a whole group of people and like if she has the power like if she's a very good speaker and very persuasive then she could really make people doubt themselves when in reality they're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Like I don't like that projection. Like she shouldn't be doing that. I don't think. But I agree. I mean the ironic part of about it was that she was an alcoholic and <laughs> I was like, you're not yeah, you're, you're le- there. alcohol is legal, right? It's like the safest drug, don't forget. What I'm joking by the way. Uh, that was sarc- that was British sarcasm uh, though. Yeah, it seems <laughs> it seems extra hypocritical to to not have your own life in order and then try to tell other people what path they should walk down. Yeah, I mean. for sure. And people that people that believe that they've truly got their life in order, and that's kind of arrogance. Like, Does can, anybody believe they have their life in order? Well, it sounds like this lady does, did. She <laughs> thinks that she did, does. Life is a continuous learning process, right? You never, yeah. like you never, some people go around like saying they're enlightened or whatever, but every day you learn something new. If you're open to it, if you close yourself off and say, I know, then you're being ignorant and you actually know quite little. I think like a more insidious problem too is like when somebody has built a life around values that were handed to them, that they think that if they achieve, you know, a high paying job and a beautiful wife and a, and a nice car that your neighbors are jealous of, that that is what oh. being successful and you know meeting your full potential really is. And if, if one of your ambitions in life is to make people jealous of you, then that's a horrible trait. But I think that's, I mean, I think that feeds into to social media culture. I think that that is something that's strongly ingrained yeah. in us to be better than the Joneses and to prove it yes mm. yeah through materialistic possessions generally speaking and like, being presentational yeah yeah i quite like sharing things on social media at the moment like i didn't used to do it much like for two years i went 
without even like changing a profile picture or something because I was not yeah, interested. Yeah, in... you're not sharing stuff about yourself, about how, why your life is superior oh, to yeah, no, else's. I don't believe my life is superior to anyone else's. I just like to share to show what's going on. Like I want to share with people what I'm doing, I'm not saying it's better or worse than you. I'm saying, check this out. I'll maybe try to inspire somebody to do the same thing if they want to do it. Yeah. Like, it's not for everybody. Like, like for example, I don't think my mum could live this kind of life because she likes her home comforts and she's got a lot of responsibilities, whereas I, at the moment, don't really have so many responsibilities. I'm in a very luxurious position, a privileged position, which not many people in the world are in. So I do appreciate that. And I don't want to be... And you shouldn't use other people as an outlet for your anger. You should just... Certainly. I mean, I also, I would say that you can generally speaking with anger through a shift in a perspective change the way the nature of that feeling from anger to sympathy yeah i think that works the majority of the time i mean there's situations to be legitimately angry about i think but yeah of course of course of course situation to be angry about it's just channeling the anger into the right channels and, and turning it into passion and making it a positive like encouraging a positive rather than like uh bleeding out a negative if you will even with sadness, sadness is cathartic in a lot of ways, depending on what you're sad about. You know, it can obviously reach crippling levels, but there, you need there's, to control there's a benefit to it. Where there's absolutely course. no good aspect of jealousy whatsoever. It does nothing for you. It serves no purpose. It's it destructive, and corrosive, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's like a parasite of an emotion. And so nowadays, like, I'll, enc I'll encourage I want the people that I know and love, I want them to be successful and I want them to do what they want to do. So if someone gets a, well, whatever, like, if someone gets something that makes them happy, then that makes me very happy. Like, instead of having jealousy, you can also benefit from the, from the success. Like, everyone, like, someone that you appreciate is happy. So obviously, why on earth would you feel jealous about that? You should be happy for them, I think. Well, it works for me anyway. That's all I'll say. I'm a much happier person, especially like, when everything's working out for my, I think like a bit of an empath, like when everything's working out for my friends and family, that makes me extremely happy and content. Whereas when people around me are sad or depressed, it makes me anxious and totally sad. Yeah. What do you think prevents people from feeling gratitude rather than jealousy? Um, what prevents them from feeling gratitude rather than jealousy? Then they are, they're not listening to their gut and they're forcing themselves to do things because they feel like, they have to do things. Have to do certain things. They're making mm -hmm. excuses. They're trapping themselves in because of the fear. Because they're not allowing. They're not because of the lack of faith. I, yeah, I think it definitely comes to that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the lack of faith and the fear that somebody is better than you or more capable than you, and that you would not be able to achieve something that you want. It's self-deprecating. Yeah, I mean, it serves no good purpose, and it's self-fulfilling too. I mean. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, because you do. And in times in the past where I have been jealous, uh, it's made my self confidence drop massively, and my own self worth and how how you see yourself massively affects how other people see you. Yeah. And like also, if, then you're probably not doing anything to change your circumstances. Yeah, exactly. You get complacent dwelling, yeah, and angry or jealous. You like, oh well, you take this negative attitude of. I don't know, hate it. It's like that old man in the corner of a pub that just complains about everything. Like, I hate politics. Oh, and I've said this a couple of times now. I saw it on the internet, so it's, this is not my original thought. But it, it rings true. It's someone who sits in the corner like, oh, I'm sick of Brexit. I don't want to hear about it. 
Oh, I hate politics, me. Look, all the bins haven't been collected in ages. There's graffiti over there. There's loads of litter on the street. And that's why I don't do politics. And it's like, well, if you did politics, then maybe you could help solve that issue, couldn't you? Because you could vote for a local MP to, that would help it. They're like, oh, no, we don't like carbon. I'm like, well, carbon isn't your local MP. You can... Anyway, <laughs> no, people don't understand politics. Anyway. But, sorry, we're not talking about politics yet. But anyway. I think that probably, that is a large problem with politics is because the world right now is so complicated it feels like difficult to be able to speak with any sort of authority on any like so many topics that go into politics like economics and social issues and you know like it becomes daunting so it's either like spend all your time and energy into consuming and there's no good resource to consume this information in either like you know unless you're a political science major but then you're like that only covers a very po- small portion of it. Like it becomes daunting, and especially in this day and age now, where people, due to like populists and yeah, don't believe in ex- don't believe experts anymore. Like to be an expert in a field which maybe you've worked in for two decades now means to some people absolutely nothing because they because like people think people don't understand that everyone's a human being and the world is and time is flexible and things change so much. Just because someone's made a prediction about the future and it's wrong doesn't mean like that. It's not like someone just, it's not like some redneck just coming out with it from nothing. This expert's put a lot of research into it and has miscalculated it. Fine, but it doesn't mean that that person's opinion is worth nothing. No, but like a lot of people nowadays, well, what you see anyway, don't believe in experts anymore. It's like, oh, the experts don't know anything. So in that case, where, so what, what do you want to be led by, fools? It certainly is weird to be living in the world of alternative facts. Yeah. I Wait, didn't Trump have the biggest turnout for his inauguration of any president ever? Uh, and he's got massive hands, I think. Or something certainly like that. are alternative facts. Oh. I read a I read an article about uh they there's a new theory in quantum mechanics that reality is in fact subjective. Okay. So that, that that certain truths that can be true to one person are actually like on a physical quantum level are not necessarily true to the another person so we're back to double slit experiment exactly it relates directly to the double slit experiment where you know if, if we're both observing which hole the thing is going through it might go through one hole for you and a different hole through me exactly and that's and actually Schrodinger's cat. yeah it's actually being like proven on a quantum level that this is possible so like, you're talking about split realities and well talking, talking about like quantum theory and physics in general is this is one thing that's changed me a lot, actually, looking into this, read, reading Stephen Hawking, listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, and like, and Kip Thorne, he's a, he's a good professor. But like, these, these minds and reading, like, these are, I, I, I believe that these, and, and a lot of people agree that these are the most intelligent minds out there, right? Like, they know more. Like, Stephen Hawking, for example, dedicated his whole life to it. Like, and he didn't have any distractions because he couldn't move. So, like, he's just in his headspace the whole time. And he's a ge- he was a genius. Um, so like, reading what they've got to say and when you when you find out that all these top minds they pretty much believe that with the universe this universe is not everything and that there's an infinite amount of infinites like thinking like this has really changed my perspective and like accepting things that are kind of beyond I mean that's having faith in something because our brains can't really comprehend that right like go back hundreds of years ago human brains couldn't comprehend that it was a solar system and then human brains couldn't comprehend it. It's a galaxy and we're not the center of it. And then human brains couldn't comprehend it. There's a whole universe. It's infinite. I mean, how do we even comprehend infinite? And then now it's, now we accept, most of us accept the universe, right? The majority of us. 
And now we're finding out, oh, wait a minute, our universe is one of an infinite number of universes. How can we comprehend that? That's, that to me makes, that to some people, some pe- so I've shown this when I was a teacher, I showed this multiverse video to the students and wow, you should have seen the reaction. I've never seen um, inspired minds like that before. You know, like people, like the kids are like, whoa. And I asked them afterwards, like, in one word, how do you feel? And a couple of the, a couple of them were like, I feel small or I feel shy or scared. But most of them were like, I feel inspired or I feel excellent or I feel energized, you know, to this is, is, is incredible what, what, what it does to find out like this mind blowing stuff. Yeah. And I think that the, like an important benefit of realizing that from the past, how much reality has shifted from a flat earth to a round earth to a multiverse. Wait, I thought the earth was flat. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic just for the listeners. But the idea that what is true today may very well be false tomorrow, and therefore you can imagine any future that you want and work towards achieving that, I think is lost a lot of times in people, especially when it becomes like down to politics of like, okay, you know, the given systems that we have now, like capitalism and all these other sort of things that we think are just how everything has to operate. Well, like Vietnam system of capitalist communism, one-party state capitalism. But, yeah, yeah, sorry, but The, the on, idea that you can create a new way of being and thinking and acting a different culture that has different values and what, what should that look like? And then let's try to get there, I think, is an important exercise hmm. for an individual and society. Yeah, I agree. Too many societies are caught up in tradition and conservatism. This is how we are. We're British. We eat beige food. We don't want flavor. We don't want culture. We just want to be on a rainy island with nothing. So we vote Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) What is something that is really popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? As a joke, I'd say veganism, but I'm just joking. Um, Brexit. I was going to say Brexit. Brexit for sure. But in five years' time, people who vote Brexit probably won't be embarrassed. Still adamant that they won, even though they're poor. I mean, don't you think that... They might be embarrassed, but like wanting to put on a front that they. Yeah, I think that's their entire existence. Just putting on a front. Their entire existence is I'm embarrassed about who I am, but yeah. I want to put a front on. Yeah. What's but your? It should be anyway. What's your favorite thing about yourself? Uh, I, I'm, I have a good taste in music. What's your favorite thing about yourself? I don't really think about that. Um, I suppose I like that I can connect with people easily. That's that's very helpful. Because when I was younger, I wasn't like that. Was, really? Well, my parents say that I was, but I always felt socially anxious. Wow. Yeah, I've always so been a very anxious kind of person. <laughs> Until and then there'll be, but but my life has been like waves of, maybe a slight bit of bipolar throughout, which I've now got under control. But it was like a, a manic stage of being re- hyper sociable. And then drop to a depressive state of not wanting to speak to anyone. Oh. You know, so learn how to control that. Like, first of all, acknowledging like um, something about yourself that you don't like or that, that, that is causing you to not succeed or not get on with something. First of all, acknowledging it and then working on ways to prevent it. Like, for example, when you're feeling a manic stage, come on, being able to recognize that and tone it down a bit, be like, Okay, don't drink any more coffee today. Like, just calm down. Like, everything's, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Don't you find that hard, though? Like, I know for myself, when I start to go more manic that I get 
I want it. It feels good. Yeah, it Manic feel feels, good. Yeah, feels, feels good. Yeah, but then I have reached points like over the last few months when it, it feels good to me, but it makes other people worried. So yeah, that the, so thinking about other people instead of thinking about like removing myself from the situation and thinking about how this affects others has has made me more under control. And now for the last, I don't know how long now since I came out of my last big depression. Um, since I learned how to n- not drop back into it, I've been as happy as hell. How do you know how to drop back into it? By focusing on the positives all the time, being thankful and grateful, keeping the faith, because like, like losing faith in yourself was what, that's what started the whole thing last time. And just know that bad things happen to everyone, but just because it's a bad thing doesn't mean it's not the right thing. So for like case in point would be when I fell off a motorbike a few months ago um, and I quite like could have died should if I didn't have the helmet that I had on would have died and coming out of that good PSA wear your helmets folks yeah yeah always wear a helmet Jesus um, but like so I fell off that bike and I could see myself two years ago being like fuck's sake like you're an idiot you fell off your bike you're incompetent and then complaining about it and like dwelling on the injuries and it's like it hurts and just being a being a crybaby about it. But this time I fell off and I was like, first of all, my first reaction was, okay, are you all right? Like, oh god, that's bad. Oh, that's quite bad. Is the bike okay? The bike works. What do I do to do next? Go to hospital. Don't dwell on the negatives of it. Like it happened. You can't change that. Like it happened. How? What do you do next to make the situation not get worse? How do you improve this current situation you're in? So instead of dwelling on the bad things that have happened and how you got there, just focus on how to get out of it ASAP and get to a good point again. And actually, I had a great day. That was a really good day after I fell off that bike. I couldn't even feel the pain straight away. The adrenaline kicked in. And then I was so focused on what I had to do, like, urgently. Like, I had, there was nowhere for the pain to settle. Like, the pain wasn't there until I got into the hospital bed and she come over with all this stuff to put on it and scraped it. Ugh. Yeah, that was painful, but kind of a good pain in a sick way. And then... Because of off that bike, I went back to the village that I was in, in Thailand, and I found out things. I met some people and found out some things that I thought was necessary to find out. Like I originally went to this town to meet up with this guy called Jimmy that I met a few years ago. He's like an uncontactable old American chap who was very interesting and was like a bit of a guru and taught me a lot of things about business and about things in life in general. So I went back to find him there and couldn't find him. Then was driving home, fell off the bike, went back to the town. I met people who informed me that Jimmy was dead, but I'm glad that I know that. And I'm glad that, like, you know, so in that way, the bad, the bad thing of falling off the bike actually turned out to be a positive for me in the long run. And it also let me have three weeks off my feet just relaxing. So In Delight, where you met in us? In Delight, where I met you guys and a bunch of other interesting people, including uh, a revolutionary, uh, d- descendants of... President and the descendant of the captain of the Titanic, who killed one of my ancestors. And the descendant. Oh, and the descendant of Winston Churchill. <laughs> That's uh, Trevor. An interesting man. <laughs> Occasionally. Jack has uh, some 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 feelings towards him. Churchill. I'm <laughs> neutral towards Churchill. Flies. Um, I don't like flies, but I'm neutral towards Winston Churchill. <laughs> he did save us from. He saved. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be alive. But at the same time, if it wasn't for him, there'd be a lot more Indians alive. <laughs> What is your most embarrassing story from childhood? Numerous ones that involve shitting myself, but they also spread into adulthood. Um, <laughs> don't eat octopus. What? I can't eat octopus if I want to oh. not shit myself. 
Um, <laughs> oh, let's think. There's a lot of embar- a lot of embarrassing. But this is one thing: do not dwell on embarrassing things. I try to forget about them because in the or past, or just I'd... find humor in them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. Humility is key. Um, let me just think of a very embarrassing thing that happened in childhood. Oh well, I could just use I shat myself once in school because I had a choice of so the bell went for lunchtime and everyone used to just run for the line and I was like I really need to go for a poo but I also really don't want to queue up for two for like and a half an hour for my <laughs> lunch so that like, I'll risk it I'll get in the queue and then lack self control which is a thing of me and mine shat myself I stunk. Um, the dinner ladies were coming over the lunch ladies were coming over like what's wrong around here so yeah I had to wear Spider-Man Spider-Man underpants for the rest of the day but yeah that's quite embarrassing did anybody find out? can't remember probably but I'll have blocked it out of my mind it's a repressed memory (laughs) Um, I like that you remember the Spider-Man underwear though yeah I love it I just remember the Spider-Man underwear it was because they were like not the style of underwear that I'd usually wear (laughs) I only wear next boxes nowadays they're the comfiest I should get some sponsorship money off next for that. <laughs> what is the book that has most influenced your life? Oh, the Bible. Nah, maybe nah, that's just a flippant answer. Um that's very hard. That's that's a hard question for me to answer. Um I don't know, I need more time to think about that. I can't answer that on the spot. Trevor so. needs another cigarette, so Okay, let he'll, me think. He'll share him back with you. He just misplaced his Oh, you want another cigarette, I'm oh, sorry. Um yeah, I'll you back. I don't smoke. <laughs> I don't smoke either. I don't know why. Yeah, we did it publicly announced it on the podcast from Trevor Quit Smoking. So. Oh, really? Well, he's doing good. He's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> Jack said to me when you weren't here last night, he was like, I noticed that every time Trevor quits smoking, the next time I see him, he's smoking more than I've ever seen him smoke before. <laughs> so and, why you quit. and why did he quit when he was in Japan where all the best cigarettes are? So we were with my parents. <laughs> I'm sure they were also expensive as fuck. Uh, like five pound a pack. That's not bad at all. Not compared to the UK. No, I'm surprised. No. I figured Japan would be... Yeah, well, everybody, a lot of people smoke in Japan, don't they? But I like the way Japanese smoke. Oh, we can talk about Japan if you want. I felt like Japan was like the year 3000. It was incredible. Well, you're now famous in Japan, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone check out... Oh, what's it called? Uh, foreigners Eat Donuts. Eat Japanese Donuts. Eat Japanese. Momoko. Yeah. Momoka. Momoka is the name of the YouTube channel. It's already on 60,000 views. But I was not the star of the show. My friend was, but he wanted to be the star of the show. <sighs> so let him have it. You're always the star. I don't think so. Kelly's made for YouTube. He's just a goon. But the best kind of goon. So a book that's influenced me. Oh, I, now, so when you ask that kind of question, it's like asking someone what their favorite song is or asking someone their favorite film. It's like... Yeah, but it's not favorite. It's not most influenced. Favorite. Like a book that has most changed the trajectory of your path. Maybe... The maybe the eight pages that I read of Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. <laughs> Just those eight pages were, and then I lost a book, which is a typical thing for me to do. <laughs> I often start reading a book and then we'll, sp- and we'll be reading like eight books, but we slow, slow progress through all of them. Like Also, Bill Bryson, uh, quite influential. And I read some of Ho Chi Minh's work, which is good. Revolutionary. Yeah, I like his poems too. Oh, I really like that poem. Um, Rupi, she's called Rupi Kaur. K-A-U-R. Have you heard of her? Yes. Yeah, she's great. That that I, I, I think her poems are the strongest poems I've ever read. That was Milk and Honey, right? Yeah. yeah. Trevor and I read that, that well, whole one, thing in a bath yeah. one time. But That sounds good. But, <laughs> but there's one... Milk and Honey was the first one, right? I think so. She did one about 
with that basically it was the, the whole thing was a story about going through depression and then rising like a flower from the other side and wow it was inspirational that was that was really good that, so I would say that book then I would say that and just a few poems that I read from it were really inspirational we also take a lot of like a, like life-changing books and things I also take a lot of that from music now as well and like what people sing about and when because in songs you can really hear the passion that people put behind it you know and when I hear someone being so passionate about the words that they're singing it makes me like it makes them really resonate with me which I imagine is the same for all music fans yeah but um, <laughs> yeah but only recently really have a I feel like I've come to a new level with music where I really engage with it a lot I mean I've always liked music obviously but now I engage with it on a much more personal like personal level like and I want to sing more and dance more and play drums and piano more. Very nice. Come do all these things at our wedding. Yeah, but it's pressure. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'll learn. I just bought a pair of these headphones, which electrocute your brain. So hopefully I'll be better. What? Have you never heard of them? The no, neuroscience headphones. About? They're like backed by U.S. Army and stuff like that. Like um, the U.S. Army is currently working on like a forty electrode implant for service members that can increase cognition and also indoctrinate your brain. Yeah, I I wouldn't be volunteering for that anytime soon, but uh, the idea of sending electrical signals, external electrical signals to the brain to enhance cognition is taking steam. Yeah, well, I've just I've just like two days ago bought these headphones, and they're gonna be in the UK when I get back. So we'll see if things improve. I, I've I've like I've not just bought them on a whim. I've watched a lot of independent people like reviews on YouTube and stuff, and every one of them is saying, "Yes, it did help. Yes, I don't hate running so much, and I hate running." Mm-hmm. but I feel good after it but if if there's something I can do to make me enjoy it uh, to make me hate it a little bit less and something I can do to help me focus on the music and learn in better ways then why wouldn't I invest in that we listened to a Invisibilia episode which is a fantastic podcast if you haven't uh, explored that one yet you know it was talking about this girl with crippling depression who opted to do a surgery where they implanted an electrode on the pleasure stimulation area that of her brain and it 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 completely revolutionized her life to the point where like at first they started her too high and she just was going through life like in a blissful state. Yeah. But it also has this effect where it starts to become less effective and they can yeah, only go up to a certain voltage. Uh-huh. I heard so about this. eventually sometime in the future, most likely she's going to just kind of be stuck worse than she was. So it's this like interesting. Mm, that is interesting. It's like an over, well, it's like, um, it's like you could, it's like you say that about a lot of like stimulus. Um, stimulus, is that the right word? Stimuli? Yeah, stimuli. Stimuli, yeah. Like um, when you've been expo- overexposed to it, it becomes the norm. Yeah. So you need, it's like with smoking, I suppose. Like, or with, with like, it's like when they say chasing the dragon. Like, I've, I would never, I would never take heroin just to put that out there in case people are worried. But <laughs> like when you hear about people that do take heroin, that apparently that first time is bliss, but then they spend the rest of their life chasing that and can never achieve it again. You know, because of the sounds ex- terrible. Exposure. Yeah, it sounds like the worst kind of existence. Yeah. I will never watch that film. Requiem for a dream. Oh, I, I I really like that film. I think that I think that that film would be better than any dare, dare anti drug yeah. program. Like just Seriously. show them that it's very realistic. It, so many people I've spoken to have watched have watched that and said it depressed me for like a week. Oh, it is horribly depressing. I mean, because yeah, it's, it's real. Just, yeah. So then I'm choosing to be ignorant and not watch it. Oh, I thought you just said everybody should watch it. No, I didn't say that. I said I've, I've not watched it. I don't oh, want to oh. watch it. I don't want to. I can't. I, well, just I don't do heroin. What, I, I think and... I understand what addiction does to people. Yeah. I don't need to see it so visually. 
and be upset about it. It's just a film. <laughs> is it based on a true story? I don't think so. But it's, it follows like several plot lines that all sort of meet up at one point or another. And each one is just like depre- more depressing than the last. Like you don't think it could get any worse. And then a little old lady gets duped into becoming addicted to uppers and goes crazy. And <laughs> it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. No, you're not selling it to me. It's powerful. It is otherwise a pretty depressing movie. I would much rather just watch Chicken Run on Loop. <laughs> I'll watch Chicken Run. No, the but would you consider that sort of the same thing as uh, not wanting to talk about politics and listen to it on the radio in the car? Well, no, because I understand what Requiem for a Dream is about. I just don't need to become depressed by it. I think a lot of people would say the same argument for not wanting to consume media. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't consume as much media as I used to. Like mainstream media, anyway. You feel better for it? So much. I used yeah. to I start every day with opening the Guardian app when I was still in bed. And then obviously be anxious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy how much it impacts the, your day, your state of mind. Your... For sure. And I, and I hear a lot of people talking about this um, collective consciousness. Like, you don't need to necessarily... I mean, most, of the, most media is just an agenda anyway. Yeah. So you can get the same media off friends that you trust uh, and friends that have a share a similar mindset. And... It's no more full of agenda than the than the than the article is anyway. So you can get your news off other people, and then you can look it up if you want to. Um, you need to it, reading the reading. Oh, I read this. Where did I? I was reading or listening to something about. It was that book the other day that Lily was reading. Mm-hmm. Tom Robbins, and it's about Sundays and about the Sunday paper, like being something to escape reality for, escape that depressing Sunday. That was quite good. That was good to listen to. Yeah, there's definitely excerpts from that book that I that resonate really well with me. They're talking about Still Life with Woodpecker by Tom Robbins. I remember the most uh, the most um, the book that changed me the most, or at least uh, the writer of the books, and that's Bertrand Russell, the philosopher slash mathematician slash general fucking legend. Um, his writing is well, he he wrote things a hundred years ago about today, which are ringing true, which anyone at the time would have considered ridiculous. My mum was a genius, and smoking saved his life. Put that out there. He once uh, was in a plane. I'll pass on his story. Uh, um, once he was in a plane, smoking his pipe in the smoking section. The plane crashed. Everyone in the non-smoking area drowned, and then he swam out and survived because he was in the right part of the plane. And also, air on air, um, the air in aeroplanes was cleaner in the days of allowing smoking. Because I'm not, I'm not promoting smoking. No way would would I do that. But. The air was like, what, 60% cleaner because they recirculated it more. And now you're just breathing in everyone's germs and the people that you meet on aeroplanes, you don't want to be breathing in their germs. Yeah. That's we, the... We've started wearing masks when we fly now. Really? Yeah, because like, <laughs> I so frequently, like, and it's the worst thing to arrive at somewhere and be sick. Yeah, I know, I know. And, like, and, and the that... air is so dry, like, I instantly feel like I could drink a gallon of water. and like. Yeah, for sure. And then some airlines charge you for the water in a plastic <laughs> bottle. I'm like, no, 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 just give me some of the staff water in a, pl- in a paper cup, please. <laughs> I was like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring your own water bottle and have them refill it. Yes, you could do that. That's a good idea. Then, yeah, that's good. I hate airport, airports, and like the aviation, like the experience of going on an airplane is a real good psycho like analysis. You can really psychoanalyze the situation. You see how many people are sheep and quite stupid. Like everyone queues up to get on the plane first and then everybody stands up in the aisle to queue off to get off the plane first to get onto a bus to wait for the other people to get onto the bus and then they're last off the bus because they got onto the bus first and you get off at the other side sometimes so sometimes well every time i get on a plane i will just sit down 
read, listen to music, wait until everybody's got on, then just walk on, and then I will see what seats are available. I'm the last one on there. You don't have to sit in a designated seat. Walk towards the back, sit on the back row, best seats, right next to the, the air hostess. You can, you can, not for that reason, but <laughs> sure. maybe. But you can, you're like right there. You can, you can just, hey, please, can I have this now? Please, uh, you can have a good, com- interesting conversation. Like, what's your favorite nationality of people? <laughs> what's your least favorite nationality? Usually, it's Chinese. <laughs> nothing against Chinese as individuals. As individuals. And then, so then you sit there in the plane in the best seat in the house. The the small person in front of you will try to put the seat back. You will say you cannot do that. <laughs> if you're Jack. Um, and then at the end of the flight, you just stay sat down read or listen to music again everyone queues up like fools gets onto a bus then you stroll off the plane last step onto the bus bus opens its doors you walk out you're the first one on the airplane out of the airport common sense so after we met you we tried to try your method and we got really fucked over because we were the last people to board a viet jet flight and we had a bag over seven kilo at the entrance like where we checked in they let us take on our bag they were like it's a little over but it's okay you can go ahead and then at the the gate since we were the last people to get on they were like you're you're like there's already too many bags on there your bag's over they charged us so much money they charged us more than our flights tech price combined that has never happened to me three times the amount they would have charged us and we just paid the extra fee at the check Checking desk. You guys are so unlucky. I was so pissed. Trevor put with up me, a I real fight. No, not with you. With the, I, like, the so guy was so. For yeah. the last like, for the last six or seven flights I've been on, I've been carrying so much onto like onto the plane. Like, I was trying to test what I could get away with. And as soon as I've been past that first desk, like sometimes if I'm with a mate, I'll just leave my other bags with him, and then I'll go and check in, and then we'll swap. Um, well, with him or her. And then I've never been checked again at any other stage. And if they tried to, I'd just say, look, I got let through, so you're not charging me more. That's what we tried to do. It didn't work. Yeah, I was like, well, then you're not getting on the plane. And it was like, since we were the last one on, the plane was about to take oh, off, man. so I didn't even well, have time to be like... And I, I kind of suspect... Well, so first, I think the moral of the story is fuck VietJet. Don't ever fly them. Don't give them your money. They'll wind up costing you more money. Just pay that you can $10. Say it's about any airline. It's about the staff member. No, VietJet was... No, VietJet was so bad the whole time. It was the only yeah, one I mean, I've charmed my way past the situation a couple of times. Vietnamese, you'd do much better. Well, that's, uh, I was pissed. I was like, like their bags are fucking huge. You're not even weighing them. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's because I'm white. <laughs> yeah, he straight up said that. He was like, it's because I'm white. No, well, you seem so to speak bad. a bit of Vietnamese in a in a nice calm accent, in a calm way to them. Well, I sort of suspect that because uh, he got a little weird when I insisted on taking his name down. I think that because also he was insisted I pay cash. Uh, he was taking the money. Yeah, I mean, he was. Sure. Yeah. Um, so where did he put the bag when you paid the money? Did they make us put it under? Yeah. I just had to leave it at the, like, where you board the plane. Okay, well, at least you learned a lesson from it, if you take the positives. If you're going to have an overweight bag, maybe don't get on last. But, if you, <laughs> but yeah. Or just, like, I don't understand, could you not have put the bags underneath the chair in front of you? That's what you should, you, should, you, need, you need to give them, what the, the, you need to tell them their job. You need to be like, look, you, I know I can put these bags in the, under the chair in front of me, so that's what you're going to let me do. Like, your staff have let me through already. I uh, Believe me, I tried. It was a heated conversation. Also, I was, like, so fucking tired, and, like, I just... Normally, I wouldn't have reacted. I reacted negatively right off the bat, rather than being like, oh, come on. Like, that I, I didn't help. I had to change the SD card, so pause. Pause. Oh, where's the other... The guy has it, has it in our I had to go for where's it. The other, where's the other adapter? What adapter? Which kind of... Why do you have to change the... 
Oh, it's blinking. Where's the other one? What life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? Don't rush. Take your time. Work at your own pace. Um, also, don't work for any company anymore. Because <laughs> working for inefficient people is not good for mental health. <clears throat> I make sure I eat well, and I eat. At the, I don't eat basically by not doing things that I'm told to do that I, that don't work for me. Like it doesn't work for me to eat three big meals a day. I like to eat a little bit at a time, graze. Uh, I also like to spend <clears throat> balance the time that I spend alone versus spend time that I spend with people, and times that I spend with big groups of people or just one person or a couple of people. You know, not to get too carried away, not to spend too much time alone or too much time in a big group or too much time, you know, and make sure that I spend time with the people that I want to spend time with, the right kind of people that encourage good habits and work on the same wavelength as you. I find it very tiring to spend a lot of time with people that don't agree. Like, but a lot of the people on the same wavelength as me disagree with me on many things, which is really interesting. But um, I don't like to spend a lot of time with people that encourage bad habits or are very negative about who you are, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it will pick you up on things and tell you that you're wrong. It's okay to say you've got a different viewpoint, but to tell someone else that they're wrong is draining. So that, that kind of thing. Basically, but yeah, uh, other than that, I like to exercise once or twice a year. <laughs> and, uh, no, I just, I've not been exercising much lately, but I, I understand that I need, I've need. i put on a lot of weight and none of my clothes fit me anymore, so I understand the, the value of exercise. But exercising and enjoying it is also key. Don't do something that you don't like to do. Find the exercise that's right for you. Uh, if it's a chore, then you're not going to stick at it, you know what I mean? Like a diet. Like, just do it, do, it, do, it, do it the way that works for you. So, there's always a way that works for you. Other life practices, read a lot. Um... Think, but don't get lost in your own thoughts. And stay positive. Solid list. Do you agree with the statement that you are a multitude of the five people you spend the most time with? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you ask? This sort of was incongruence to what he was saying about don't spend time with people that you don't want to be around. And also you find that sometimes you're forcing yourself to spend time with certain people, but they also don't want to spend time with you. And you kind of, you force, you're forcing yourself and the other person. Sometimes you're just at different stages of life, like someone that you had great times with before and you both really enjoyed each other's company. You can hit a different, like both people can be, a, although still have the potential and you should still keep them around, like don't, don't lose contact with them because life, each person's life changes at different stages. And maybe one just cannot understand the other at this point and so finds their um, outlook to be tiring, draining. They're on this different wavelength at a different time, you know? Like, I've got really good friends that I still love to bits, but I understand that, like, from things that they've said and from just not turning up to things and cancelling, that they don't want to spend time. They don't want to spend time with me right now. So, that's fine. It's not good for me to spend time with them either. We end up winding each other up. Um, yeah. Just spend time... Just... Just know who you want to spend time with. And also, do spend time... You have to be... I, I love to go on my own in nature, into nature and contemplate. Um, and like... Like yesterday with the skinny dipping in the river. That was fun. That was like enlightening almost. It just felt so good. She had a hangover. Aww. And just to be around butterflies and dragonflies with all the colours and watching them do the dance... <clears throat> and do their thing and just enjoying their lives. <laughs> um, it was real special. Felt a privilege to be a part of it. 
Aww. It certainly seems to be a common theme that we hear of spending time in nature. Just even if it's a short period of time. Touching a tree. <laughs> touching the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all of this science in the last couple of years of the feet, like how much touching the ground with your feet for like your bare feet for a minute of the day does, has has enormous health benefits. Yeah, we are we are animals. Uh, we were born into nature. We were born into a world that was just pure nature, and we kind of bastardized it. But yeah. I'm not saying it's hot. I'm not saying let's go back to although the agricultural revolution ruined a lot of it. We're nomadic people, that's our thing. Like, the, a lot of the constructs of today are formed around. Hmm. For example, the, in England, we live like we did in Victorian times from the Industrial Revolution. Like, that's not natural. Yeah. And although at the time that's what was needed for the economy, blah, 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 right now, there's so many things, like lifestyles, that can be more advantageous. You don't. Why, why do we restrict ourselves to a nine to five working day? Where in the winter, you wake up in the dark you get to work in the dark you work in an office through the light light hours and you leave the office in the dark so you never get to see any bloody sunlight and if you never see any sunlight then naturally you're going to become sadder aren't you yeah you're not getting the vitamins and the energy like a lot of people think this energy and like is mystical stuff but it's really not like I'm, it's really really not what is it it's energy isn't it everything's energy <clears throat> everything is energy so i feel so much happier after basking in the sun for a few minutes, like sometimes I just need that. It gives me a, it gives me a burst of energy. Like I feel like I'm taking in the radiate, the, the waves from the sun. Um, and so, like I've met people that just love to be the ground. They can feel the energy coming up from the ground and go into a waterfall and just that, like the energy that's letting off. Yeah. Really empower you to, and it can give you a natural high. That's like totally. Trevor really believes in waterfall energy. He's yeah, a big same. advocate of waterfall I'm, energy. I'm massively into waterfall energy. That happened in Japan when um, me and a friend went to a waterfall in the evening and the walk to the waterfall was great. But then we stayed and we both had the same Japanese love energy in general. And um, we were both at the waterfall and just stood there and took in all this, took, just enjoyed it and just took it in. And the walk back was good, like decent, decent as in extremely good. It was like yeah, you just do just a, a, new, a new buzz in the air, you know, like invigorating. You could, yeah, you could feel it. Like everything went so it was already already going well, but everything went so much better after that. Just everything just flowed. Like it felt like we was at one with the universe, I suppose. The universe. Met a lot of people in Japan, Japanese people that were big into the universe and the energy from the universe, and they were all the happiest people that I met there. So. Huh. Yeah. And they just seemed to have it together. Like just accept that you need to accept that. There's more to things than what we currently know. Just because it's not a proven fact doesn't mean that you can't consider it, you know? Well, I have to think that, like, so there's a traditional sort of ancient way of talking about these phenomenons. I mean, it generally gets expressed as energy and, and you know, and that's just, you know, science is doing that just with different wordage. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times the more sort of spiritual approach is almost easier to understand in a lot of ways like and to believe that to, and to allow yourself to believe that it could actually help you it just or, requires some faith yeah my friend kayla was telling me about um she introduced me to this thing called the schumann resonance have you heard of that before no it's something that nasa's looking into she showed me the nasa page on it i mean if nasa's doing it then surely you should be looking and it's basically about waves from i might get this wrong but it's something along the lines of waves from the like space waves 
uh, there'd be a more scientific way of saying this. I think electromagnetic waves, maybe, or gravitational waves, um, hitting the planet and can affect the mood of, like, in different places and things, like, depending on which waves are hitting the planet, can affect the whole mood of everybody slightly, you know? Like, you can... That's fucking terrifying. Sometimes in the day, <laughs> in the day you can, like... I've had this many times in the past, but without understanding it, I'm just thinking maybe I'm a bit mad. But, like, you can... Sometimes I can, like, when I've had jobs in the past, I can walk into the office and I can feel that everybody's a little yeah. bit sadder. Yeah, absolutely. See, I immediately take that and think that, well, if this is electromagnetic waves that are coming from outer space, they could easily be replicated by government and then oh used to make a society more anxious and fearful and thus easier to control. And, you know, and there's even like people who theorize that with like uh, the DARPA project in Antarctica where they had these just like miles of these antennas that nobody knows what they're actually for. There's something about Antarctica that... that People should look into Antarctica more. I want to know more about these ancient pyramids there, supposedly. I'd like to. I'd like to see proof of that. I've seen some images, but I'm not claiming them to be totally real. But um, Hitler was onto them. He sent a he sent a whole a regiment or battalion or something down there to research into these things. See, that would have been a much better plot of Indiana Jones Four. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> anything would have been a better plot than Indiana Jones Four. Indiana Jones Four, the Crystal School one. Oh my God, terrible movie. Mm, for sure. Well, he was not. The others was it. Which is your favorite one? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. There's Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and what's the other one? I don't know. Uh, the other one's the best one, I think, for me. Wait, Raiders of the Lost. It's about the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail one's my favorite one. My favorite is the last arc. Is it? What's the other one then? The first one. At least if it's not, that's the one I need as well. Yeah, the Holy Grail one's my favorite. Here we go. Sidetracked here. All right. Well, while he's finding that, let's. What is the most environmentally? Maybe the last arc. The other one you just said. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, Jen. That's what he was saying the whole time. Raiders of the Last Ark. No, but that's not the right. That's wait, wait, wait. There's another one. Raiders of the Last Ark, a prequel to the Temple of Doom, the Last Crusade. That's the one with the Holy Grail, I think. There it is. Because Sean Connery's in it. Great cast. Anyway, sorry, Jim. Come on. Oh, yeah. What is the most environmentally friendly thing you do and the main environmentally friendly thing you want others to do? I don't drive a car yet. And when I get a car, I'm going to transfer it to work on vegetable oil. And also, I do try, or at least want to try more, to eat ethically sourced meat as opposed to... I mean, if everyone did that, then the environment would be so much better. And agriculture and, like, livestock is... Like, by far the worst thing for the environment. Like, we can all quit driving cars, but if we don't change the way that we eat, then... And I'm saying this as a person that loves to eat meat and fish, but I acknowledge the fact that the way we do it is bad for the environment. And it's a bit selfish to... I mean, it's not exactly a massive deal to give up meat a couple of days a week, is it? Yeah. I think... Or even cut it to just one meal a day. That would still make a huge difference. A little bit of self-control, that bird's eating out of that pot. It's fine with me. Yeah, even just, yeah, people just are so, and it's what kind of annoys me about, like, the hardcore vegans as well, because I feel like, I feel like they're, like, the really, that bird's really distracting me, I feel them now. I feel like the, um, the more militant ones really put other people off. Yeah, absolutely. They really don't do anything for their cause, and it's, like, the same with hardcore third generation, third wave feminists, like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's all these militant people, like, even sometimes when I speak to them, it puts me off and I'm like, I'm open-minded. Yeah, like, I'm all, to... I'm on your side and you're putting me off. I'm I'm so passionate about yeah, cutting down yeah. meat consumption and, like, eating the right food. And, and when I talk to vegans, me, yeah. I get clo- so close-minded and angry because yeah. they're so close-minded and angry. And it's just like, have a different message. It's not about 
you you all need to be doing the same thing. I mean, my favorite thing is like just do your best and do it do it imperfectly. Don't hold yourself to some standard of like if I don't meet this, it's pointless. Just yeah. do your best every day. Just be thoughtful and and make good choices when when you can. And sometimes exactly. you can't for whatever. They, they reason. become like martyrs. Or like I'm putting myself through this, so you need to too. Like, no, actually, I can enjoy life and still you know, fall out with everyone. And on, and I think like the, the the biggest example of this is Peter. You know, P E T A. Yeah. Um, that that I think the people, the person at the head of that, or whoever runs their like advert a marketing campaign, or their their campaigns, that guy is like the the person who's running that is big into the meat industry somewhere because it just makes people want to eat meat more. <laughs> like, uh, That's funny. it just makes it just makes me think I don't want to be associated with those people. Yeah. I don't think many vegetarians or vegans associate themselves with PETA. I don't know. I certainly didn't when I was a vegetarian. I thought PETA was pretty fucked up. I was a pescatarian for six months once just to prove my, my mate's <laughs> mum that I could do it. And I, I gained weight. So I was a vegetarian for 12 years. 12 years. Respectable. I was never a vegetarian. <laughs> I never want to be. But you I believe don't... in moderation and, and that not every meal needs to be centered around meat. Yeah, I believe in a balanced diet, and I think that I think I think he's right. I think if we did humanely source our meat, that that would help a lot of the environmental impacts and lab-grown meat and lab-grown. Oh meat. yeah, I, I, I'm excited for that. that. I don't see the big issue with that. Like, I don't pe- see people kick up such a fuss like it's not natural. What you mean just because you're not eating a dead animal? Yeah, they're saying it's not natural mm-hmm. while they're sitting there eating Oreos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they're vegan, so it's okay. <laughs> the fact that Oreos are vegan worries me a bit. <laughs> in, in the whole premise that it's cream in the middle yeah like but it's vegan like i don't know just it, it turns i don't know is american food really it does cool? not turn you off trevor eats oreos like a fucking mad person yeah but before i eat it i it does run through my why don't mind. you eat english biscuits they're so much better oreos is the best oreo what about jaffa cakes are they a biscuit or a cake there's a big legal there's a big legal you don't know what jaffa cakes are no. they only have them in the uk i think they're from manchester i think could be wrong but jaffa cakes are basically Okay. And it's like yeah. orange, you, you right? Have, yeah, the orange. So it's like a little cakey bit, like a, and then on the other side is like an orange jelly thing in the middle, which is quite tangy, and then dark chocolate, and it's so. Good. I've had them. I can't remember. Used to eat them like football before football. It's good for energy too. Like they're really good for energy. You get them during foot, like at halftime in football games, and you used to get these little packs in the UK, which come in like packs of five or six. But sometimes you'd get an extra one. <laughs> Exciting. They're like, they're like the secret. The Jeff cakes are great. You should eat, you should swap from Oreo to Jeff cakes. That doesn't sound very good. Yeah. I don't know where you could get them. I'll send you some. I don't think you'd like them. Chocolate and pastry. Not pastry. It's not pastry. It's um, cake. Yes. Well, there's a big big legal battle whether it was cake or biscuits because one of them got less tax in the UK. So I think they tried to claim they were biscuits when even in the name it says they're cakes. It was ridiculous. (laughs) But they're sold in a packet, so therefore it seems more like a biscuit. What was the question again? What's your favorite biscuit? <laughs> no, what do you do that's environmentally friendly? But um, <laughs> I like what's your favorite biscuit? Uh, Is there tasty cakes? Cakes? What are tasty cakes? It's from Philadelphia. Uh, I don't think American food can be considered food. What the fuck kind of statement is that? <laughs> oh, except from your Thanksgiving dinner, that was delicious. <laughs> Thank but you. Like American cheese, that's not cheese. American bread, that's not bread. American milk, that's not milk. So Again, you like just a, said like England is the most bland food. Like, yeah, okay, so there's some things that no, are English like super like white. Food, but there is also a 
I really uh, like the food culture in England lately. Like among the people yeah, same in America. Taste. Just because just because American cheese is fucking crap, chemical, whatever. That's not like the normal cheese that people are eating in America. Okay, so, it just okay, happens okay. to be so, a thing called American cheese. So English, the English have really good cheese, like Stilton and cheddar. And I cannot. America so has many. Great And the cheese. French have good cheese, and the Spanish have good cheese. Germans have good cheese. Swiss. America has what fucking America fantastic have? cheese. Are you kidding me? Come to America. Yeah, I will take you on a cheese we, tour. When we go out and we buy cheese. Is it usually local or is it? Well, in Thailand, no. There's no fucking cheese in Thailand. No, I mean, no like oh. parm. Parm uh, is always from Italy, but yeah, like I'd say the mozzarella and the cheddar that I get is usually ver- ver- the ver- it's usually Vermont cheddar. And the mozzarella, I okay, think, is yeah, made but, in Pennsylvania. I mean, English cheeses, cheddar's English cheese that the Americans have. So, I mean, what's the, give us an American cheese? The American. I don't fucking know. Exactly Munster. Blue cheese. Blue no, cheese is not American. I have no idea. English. Right. Maybe Italian gorgonzola, and then we have Stilton in England, and French have. Oh my God, France have that delicious soft blue cheese. What's it called? Um, oh God, ten points to anyone you can get. Brie Camembert. They're good cheeses, but. Oh my, there's one, what's that one? I think it's an Italian, Cambazzola. That's Italian, but that is the best cheese. Soft blue cheese, like a mixture of brie. Gouda cheese? Not Gouda, I'm thinking of... Well, um, these are, these are, these have originated in America. Gouda cheese? Wait. I thought Gouda was Swiss. Because these new Americans are making various types of artisanal cheese. Oh, I'm on tile, isn't, isn't American. They learned to make in the old country. Yeah, exactly. Gouda's not Swiss, it's Dutch, I think. But I could be wrong. I guess we just produce a lot of these. Cannot right. be claiming Parmigiano as a man. Why do people do small talk? Well, the, this is the one that if you buy from the store, the one that I was like, it's like exactly like Parmesan, it's just cheaper. It's not oh yeah, there's another, there's another, there's another thing that's like a cheaper version. What that's, was the question again? That we could talk about cheese. Padano or, or something, not oh. Parmigiano Reggiano. It's no, like yeah, Grand like, Padano. Like I went to Parma yeah. last year and had Parmigiano from Parma and Parma ham from Parma. Right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Next question. Why do people do small talk? Okay, a lot of the time it's because they've got really stressful jobs and because they're really stressed out and they just want to relax. So they, they don't have <clears throat> the mental capacity anymore to talk about serious stuff because their their jobs are pointlessly serious, you know? Like, we, we, we can talk about serious stuff a lot because we don't have the pointless stress of ridiculous jobs. You get me? I mean, when I had the pointless stress of ridiculous jobs, I still hated small talk maybe more than ever. Some people don't. But I, No, I hear what you're saying. I don't think you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm I'm... Never, I find never small talk quite funny sometimes. Like I quite, I, you're good at it. What are you saying? Um, no, but like I was on the phone to my dad the other day, and he was like, "Why are you always talking about such serious stuff? I just want to talk about the weather." Yeah, that's crazy. But that's not. But then I always thought of my dad as a person that didn't like small talk too. So I don't know. I just like if I'm going to spend my energy talking, I'd rather talk about something important. Than, but also, it's important when you're getting to know someone. You small talk can be, can be fun, and you know, I don't know. Why do people small talk to communicate? And last but not least, what are, what are your feelings on Brexit? Oh, English for the English, innit? <laughs> English for the English. Brexit means Brexit. Let's get out. <laughs> uh, that's not how I feel about Brexit at all. How do I feel about it? Well, 10 years ago, it was on nobody's list of, like, of priorities. Most people that voted Brexit didn't even know what the EU was. Or that they were in it. And didn't bat an eyelid and just took the benefits from it. And then a person called Nigel Farage got involved. And then people like Boris Johnson, a lot of hedge fund traders got involved. And lots of money was to be made out of it. And also it's very easy to play on people's uh, fear. So create a few scapegoats 
And then, so, uh, yeah, and um, blame all the problems caused by the Conservative government on Europe. And that's how Brexit happens. But my my thoughts on Brexit is that it's the most suicide, suicidal move the UK can do right now. Why would you want to put up walls when we spent the last... I think it's so disrespectful to the soldiers that fought in the world wars, that all the work that they did and died for to build a more peaceful Europe and a more peaceful world. Now the people that claim to be patriots want to put them barriers back up and put us in danger again. Just really look at if that's patriotic or not, because I don't think it is. But I mean, you keep your opinions if you want to, but that just shows ignorance, I'm sorry. And I'm sick of, it's to the point now where my family are losing out for because of Brexit, like it directly affects me. When Brexit happened and I didn't like it and people said, if you don't like it, leave, I left. <laughs> I, I'm doing great on my own away from Britain and most people that uh, a lot of us are the same and we're doing fine ourselves but now these things are affecting our families like my gran is my gran is de kind of half dependent on the NHS right now we need our health service if we leave Europe and we let the conservatives dominate for longer then we ain't gonna have no health service anymore and you're gonna be paying a lot more but people just don't seem to see this and it makes me very sad can you tell us a bit about your political party that you're starting no, I can't. Yet, you sorry. can't tell us anything? Um, let's just say that it's not something that I want to do, but it's something that I feel a duty towards. I feel like, I feel like, I think when you find out about your own ancestry sometimes and what your ancestors did, I think it makes you, it give, it, well, it fulfilled me with a sense of duty. And like, I don't want to see, I, I, I consider myself not a nationalist by any stretch. I, I don't like nationalism, but maybe I do consider myself a patriot. Like, I, do, I want the UK to, um, be successful and to carry on being a great influence on the world. Um, and I would like to see that in cooperation with Europe. I don't want to see Britain, like the rest of the world sees Britain now, as a bit of a laughing stock. And if it wasn't for Trump in America, which is even worse, then <laughs> um, it's like what Stuart Lee says, it's not just racists that voted for Brexit, it's also cunts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think is the real reason that people voted for it? Uh, I guess fear and indoctrination and Muslims, which doesn't make any sense. Fear of what? Well, people's lives in general in the UK, the quality of life is getting worse. But I think the reason for that is because of the way the country's run by incompetent people that are not leaders by any stretch of the imagination. I would never... Like, Boris Johnson is the worst. He has no qualities of a leader. He has no humility. He has no severity. He's a buffoon. He has no discipline. He sings... He sings colonial songs when he goes to Myanmar. He has no wisdom. He's a fucking idiot. Um, and what's the other thing of leader? The other principle of leadership? Acid humility, um, severity. Yeah. Oh, that's the one. Compassion. He has no compassion. He doesn't give a crap about any of his. He only cares about himself. And even his own family agree with that. Like his family don't like him. Um, and then you had Theresa May before that, spineless. And before that, you had David Cameron, coward. And that's the that's the last ten years in Britain. We don't have leaders. Politicians nowadays are not leaders. They're just, what's the word? I can't think of a word for them. They're just like mouthpieces and followers. They're all sheep. And talking heads. Talking heads, yeah. They're just ridiculous, to be fair, for the most part. They don't have opinions. I don't, what are their opinions? Like, even, I was, a ma I was I used to be a member of the Labour Party and I would take the Labour Party every day over the Conservative Party. But even, like, Jeremy Corbyn is a great, I think I really believe in his principles for the most part. And I think, he is a, he's got integrity and he's a good man for sure but also at the same time i don't consider him i don't i don't think he's a, a great leader he can't unite his party how is he going to unite a country how is he going to fare in foreign in, when it comes to foreign affairs like he's not a great diplomat 
he, he so it, he's got half of the, the the qualities of a of a good leader, but he's not a complete leader. And I mean, he's quite incompetent in a, on a lot of ways. Like he made he's making he made Diane Abbott his shadow home secretary. Who on earth would want Diane Abbott in a position of of, of, of responsibility like that? She's an absolute fool. And I mean, by calling her a fool, I'm probably a racist, um, sexist, something fattest pig. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm just pointing out facts, Diane. You're not very intelligent. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it baffles me that somebody as incompetent as someone like Trump could get elected. Like, it really is. But I think it's, I think it's, you know. I thought Trump was the smartest man in the world. That's what you said, isn't it? He's like Kim Jong Un. He's like Kim Jong Un. Every time he plays golf, he gets a hole in one or something like that. Did North Korea win the World Cup? People believe these things. That's the thing. Like people believe when they come out with these ridiculous claims. See, that's that's a scary phenomenon that I think has reached unprecedented levels in the last four to eight years. It's just mindless belief in what somebody's saying and the rejection of empirical evidence to the contrary. That's scary. It really, it's terrible. It's like 1984 kind of thing, 2 plus 2. Yeah, and you realize how easy it was to manipulate people. It's like some people want to be manipulated, almost. I I, I truly believe that. Well, I think that the the root cause of it is is a downturn in economic advantage of the majorities of our countries. Yeah, thanks to the neoliberals, thanks to Thatcher and Reagan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. And then they, they, they buy into this dream of wanting to be rich and powerful, like, you know, maybe they their families once were or thought that they were, but really weren't in comparison to other people. But, and then somebody comes along and is like, we're going to make America great again, which really translates into white power. Yeah. And that resonates with people who feel like they've been undercut from what they're they thought that their potential was going to be when they see them having less successful lives than their parents, which wasn't the case for the last 80 years, that becomes a powerful fear to feed off of. Yeah, and there's always a scapegoat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with us, it's immigrants. With you, it's immigrants, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's, it's mainly, yeah. They're taking our germs. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, see, they'll complain when the immigrants get jobs and they'll complain when the immigrants don't have jobs. And at the so, end of the day, it's just racism and fear. Yeah, like racism my, I, that's rooted I, I look, in like fear. Like when you look into your own family history, you realize that you're also an immigrant somewhere on the line. Like I, I always thought that I thought as far back as I could see, my family had all come from the north of England, and then I look back and my name comes from Italy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's mind boggling. And like in throughout history, if you look, like any time that we've accepted immigrants and gave them the pathway to a prosperous life, they ultimately help everyone. I mean, you know, rising tides raise all ships. And look at Britain's favorite food, Indian food. Yeah, I mean tikka masala Chinese is my food. Shit. Yeah, exactly. And all these all these racists love that scrum, <laughs> love that food. So like, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make any sense. But it just shows closed-mindedness and an ignorance and not will, like a, a lack of willing to open your mind and learn. It really like fuels me up. I get passionate about this stuff. Me as well. But like, I don't want to waste this passion. I want to do something about it. I want to, and I would like to help educate these people as well. You just need to be open to it. And now they've got the thing is now the information is there for them. We have the internet. And most people in the UK have access to it. Not everyone I know. But no, but yes, they do because you can go to the library and use the computers there. Yeah, I don't think that... I mean, they have iPhones here in the Karen villages of Thailand where they still use rings to accentuate their necks and make them long. Like, But they have iPhones. Yeah, true. Like <laughs> They're living like, in huts, but they have phones. You like to play Candy Crush. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look, you've got the information at your fingertips. It's not even a big effort to find it out. Just do a bit of research, will you? 
Um, why, why be voluntarily ignorant and angry and jealous? Because a lot of them are jealous of the immigrants. Because the immig- like near me, there's a lot of Muslim communities, and I've got some, I've got quite a few Muslim friends. And when I hang out in those communities with those people, I have the best time because they're a really strong sense of community. Mm-hmm. Whereas you go to like my estate and you go down the street and nobody knows anyone else's name. Don't blame other communities because they they know how to live. Yeah. Stupid. Well. I think Jen may have uh, okay. bounced on us. Yeah, been uh, left to dwell on politics. <laughs> There's a politics, I'm out. <laughs> I guess yeah. that means I don't have to work out, so I'm considering it a win. Hardworking, lazy people. Yeah, I'm sorry. I consider myself. Just do those 20 minute hit workouts. You can find them on YouTube. Just type in 20 minute hit. There's this British dude called the Body Coach. He's got a very annoying accent, but he kind, he kind of grows on you. And he's really inspirational, actually. He, he does like 10 minute ones, 15 minute ones, 20 minute ones. It's like you sweat a lot, but it's really fast and you feel pretty good afterwards. And when I was depressed, I tried to do one every day and I would feel temporarily better. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's, that's part of me, besides wanting to maintain a reasonable physique, I think that the mental benefits of working out is a major motivator. Hey, I find a bit of fat goes down a lot better. It's more, apparently more attractive. Yeah. When I was skinnier, that ne- Anyway, anyway, enough about that. Love handles are not a bad thing. There's a reason they're called love handles. <laughs> All right, well, let's sign off here. Today on Occasionally Interesting, we've had Jack. I don't actually know your last name and don't need to give it if you don't want to. Mazzoni. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for coming for three three countries to get here to share this Thank you very much time with us. It was our pleasure having you. Yeah, it's a lovely place to go here. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Thank you.